Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Such an honor to be able to serve and to be able to share the word of God for us today. But we know what's happening in Ukraine. Um, I've visited Ukraine quite a few times. I've been in Kiev about four times. I've got friends there, and um, it's, what's happening is really concerning me. And I just want us to to stand up and pray for the nation of Ukraine. Um, our Every Nation Church has about seven churches there, and the pastors are currently also joining in in fighting for their own nation and trying to help those whose hearts are weakened and those who are feeling scared. So I think as a church, we need to stand together with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. All right, I'm just going to lead in prayer and just pray in your language in whichever way. So we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we know that all things are possible in you, O oh God. What is impossible with man, it is possible with you. Father, even as we stand together today in Ukraine, we are like Jehoshaphat. When he was faced with the armies, the four armies were surrounded him. He says, Father, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are looking unto you. And I hear the cry of my brothers and sisters in Ukraine whose hearts are looking unto you. They are being surrounded in every front by the, by the evil forces. Father, we just pray that you will lift up a standard against the enemy who's come against them. Father, we pray that you will be their defender, you will be their one who fights on their behalf, Lord, that what the enemy had intended for evil for the nation of Ukraine will not come to pass. Father, we we pray that you will strengthen those whose hearts are fearful, O oh God. You will reassure them today that, Father, you see them. You are Jehovah who sees Jehovah Roy, the God who sees them in their time of distress. May they never feel as though they are left to fight alone. May they know that Russia may come with its own forces, but behind Russia's arm is the arm of flesh, but behind their arms is the arm of the Lord, that they will know that, Lord, you are fighting on their behalf. So, Father, we pray for strength for those who are fearful and scared. Father, we pray that no more lives will be lost, Father God. We pray that this war will come to an end in the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you and we give you the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming today. You've done an awesome thing. But I'm so excited to be here. Not only that because I'm here, but because I've invited some of my friends and family. So uh, I see my niece is over there. Kathleen, say hi. <laughs> there she is. She came. Uh, I know Lesoho is just behind there. And also Changi is there right in the back. Uh, can't, the other ones, I can't see if I forgot you, please. Just lift up your hand or something. But yeah, those who couldn't tell, come, I told them the podcast is coming, you know. <laughs> All right, so you know what I'm going to ask? I don't know. I, I just thought maybe I'd use my own phone, it would be enough, but I think I might need a Bible, you know, because of, I think I've got a lot of things that if anybody has got a physical Bible that they can give me, but otherwise, I know we live in a new age. I will flip around. Oh, thank you so much for that. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Oh, thank you so much. Please do come and get your Bible because I've got this tendency of keeping Bibles. <laughs> so I don't call it stealing. It's keeping. 
it's keeping. All right. <laughs> we started on this series, Financial Glow Up, and Michael did an amazing job of just, you know, telling us about the importance of money and obedience. And I'm just going to pick up from where he left off last week and talk about money and God. It may seem like, oh, can we put that in the same line, in the same sentence? But I'm going to show you. So, um, okay, let me see if I'm getting this right. Vibrate. Okay, it's not vibrating yet. No. It has to be on. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, awesome. Sorry? Oh, it was the back. Like this. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. All right. Is that correct? All right. Two words, but it's not going anyway. How did you do it? Or maybe they can help me at the back, or did I do something wrong? Okay, at the back you may help me then, because I'm not... Oh, there we go, thank you so much. So the main scripture reading for today, it's in, found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 11 to 19. And I want us to go through it together to read it, because sometimes when you, I read alone, uh, I might lose you. So if you can, I know it might look like kindergarten stuff, but I don't want anybody to sleep on me. All right, so can we just read it together? It says... Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your heads and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery pause let us just pause there uh, what we are seeing here is that we are seeing the Lord saying that um, he has brought the Israelites out of you know a land of slavery and he has brought them into he's going to um, well, in the next verses, we'll see that he's brought them into the heart. Of, he's bringing them in a, in a better house. But what I want us to see is the words that I've highlighted there, lest you forget the Lord your God. God didn't want them to forget. And he says again in verse 14, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord. God was so concerned about the Israelites not forgetting what he has done for them. So the key words there that we see that are being highlighted is forget. God doesn't want people to forget. Okay, we can move on to the next one. Thank you. It says from verse 15, let's read again, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he saw to your fathers as it is this day. So we see again that in the previous uh, portions of scripture we saw about forgetting. Remember, I highlighted it. God didn't want them to forget. In this segment, he's talking about remembering a lot. You shall remember the Lord your God. So God was telling them, do not forget, but remember. 
You know, that is the, the two words that I wanted to highlight. And um, if we were to give you a context of this scripture, it was Moses writing to the children of Israel. He was saying to them, remember where God has taken you from. You were in a land of slavery where you had a terrible master who was called Pharaoh, and he treated you badly, and you suffered a lot. You cried out to God, and God delivered you from there. You went through a desert where there was nothing. You were not eating uh, your best meal that you know we talked about when pastor uh, when, when pastor uh, roger was preaching the other time about what is our best meal we were not they were not eating that but god fed you a miraculous meal called manna and he gave you some quail you could eat in a desert there's no water but i made a way that you can have something to drink i gave you this water and so what I'm telling you now, as you're about to enter the promised land, the Canaan land, where you're going to have plenty, I don't want you to forget. I want you to remember what I have done for you. God was so concerned that he actually, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, in some chapters, I think chapter 6, chapter 11, it talks about how God gave them some kind of reminders to, so that they cannot forget. Because God's wish was that they may not forget what he has done. Because once they forget, their hearts will grow very proud. And they will start thinking that what we have now is because of our own strength. It's because of our own hard work. So God wanted them never to forget that it was him who delivered them when they cried out to him when they were in slavery, it was him who said to them, I want you to, um, I'm the one who's going to provide for you, so I'm delivering you so that you can go to a, a land where you're going to serve me freely without being under the bondage of, of a, t a terrible master. So God wanted them to remember, and so he would tell them, I mean Moses in, this, in the book of Deuteronomy, he tells the Israelites, have reminders, he told them, um, you must, these words of mine must be in your heart, must be in your mind, must be in your hands, in your forehead, you must put them on your doorpost, I mean, he goes all bizarre about remembering. He puts all these things. And why was he doing that? Because God knows the human heart. God knows the human nature. God knows us that when we forget him, what we will do, we will turn to our own ways. And our own ways, our own ways of doing things leads to destruction. They don't, need, they don't lead to life. But if we remember him, we put him first, we follow his ways, then we will be able to be led in a way of life, in a way of prosperity, in a way that is good. So, I'm going to share a story. Um, you can help me once again. Okay, you can see this is me and a friend of mine, Anna. This is in Kiev, in Ukraine. Uh, this, was, this photo was taken in 2013. Uh, you can move again to the next slide. And um, what is happening now, I found this very interesting when they were talking about Ukraine's praying. And um, I looked at it and I, I was reminded of my life at one point. Um, we, I grew up in Soweto, you know, I'm almost Greg's age, so you can imagine how old I am. So I'm not going to say my age because a lady never tells their age, right? That's the only reason, okay? But if you know how old, I'm just very close to him. I'm chasing him very closely. <laughs> so anyway, this other time, as I was growing up, I went to school when I was four, so by 11 I was already in high school. And in Soweto, the high school, in, during the apartheid time and during the time of the struggle, were the ones that were looked at as hotspots. You know, we have hotspots. <laughs> there were hotspots, there was violence, and, you know, we, I, I used to, um, you know, 
what can I, I used to know how to run very fast. The minute you hear a bomb or something going on, I mean, Usain Bolt had nothing on me. I could run, you know, jump, and that was me. But it was a terrifying time. Most of my schoolmates were dying like flies. It was a very uncertain time, and we used to go to their memorial services and we'd read their obituaries, and we were so certain. I mean, I didn't think that I would live to this age. I had a very short-sighted uh, vision of my life, and as I would be reading their obituaries, I would be so amazed, and I'm thinking like, Lord, I mean, these people, they have died as though they never lived. Who would remember them? I don't think people would remember them. And I would cry out to God, like you see those women praying. I would cry out to God and say, Father, please help me at least to have a degree, you know? One degree, because I thought, you know, an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, I thought at least my obituary would look better, you know? That was my whole idea. So it gave me a, perspe a perception or a perspective of life that is so short-sighted, because when you're in war, all that you're thinking about is survival. Survival mentality, that's all that I could think about. And I, some of my friends in Ukraine have put up in their Facebook pages, they are telling us, we are looking for a place to hide. Other ones are putting, oh, we are looking for, um, they tell us we must go to the underground. I'm sure they're not thinking about, most of them, I didn't see somebody talking about, oh, I wonder about my car. You know, none of them thought about their car, their property. All that they're thinking about is their survival, that they just want to survive. And I just thought about it with myself that, you know, that's, that period where I was living in, not only did it give me a very short-sighted uh, mentality about life, it, it really informed how I think about my possessions, what I have, and my attitude and my beliefs about possessions and money. And what I want to say and to highlight is that what our experiences can form our views of money, our circumstances, societal pressure can form our perceptions about money and our beliefs, but we have no freedom or no right to actually form our beliefs based on our own experiences. We need to go to the Word of God to find out what is God saying about it. I can tell you, I know of people, I know from my mother's side of the family, they grew up very, very poor. And um, my mom comes from a family of 10 children. And they used to live in a two-roomed house. I didn't say two-bedroomed, I said two-roomed house. And you can imagine, so my, how they lived. And my aunt used to like to talk to tell me that they didn't even have enough utensils, like, you know. And so, they didn't even have enough plates to eat. That's how they, they were so poor. And I can see, when I look at her collection of plates, <laughs> you know, the, the hoarding, the fear of lack has made them to be so like that. And some of us, maybe, like, we have struggled so much, you come from poverty or we come from a situation where we struggle. Sometimes when we have money, we think, oh, this is a way of God consoling me with this money. It's my year, I can just sit and relax and eat. It's part of my, you know, being consoled. Some of us might feel like, oh, we have worked so hard, I'm entitled to spend it anyhow because I worked so hard for it. But as I said, what is the word of God saying? What is the word of God saying? And that is what I pray that, you know, we will look at the perceptions that we have about money, the belief systems that we have about money today, in light with what the word of God says, and align ourselves with what God says, because of God's ways leads to life. Our own ways leads to death and destruction. So, I have, you can, um, I have divided my message into three. It's God is our source. Um, how we steward God's money and how we give back um, 
how we give how we give back to God basically. So this is the first slide. God is our source. If we read Psalm 24, verse 1, it says to us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. This was the first verse that I ever memorized when I was still young. I went to school, as I said, I was four, because I was crying for my sister who was six years old at the time. So I wanted to go. My mom was just could not take this and just say, just go. And they were not as strict, so that's how I started school when I was four. All right. So then I used to remember, we memorized the scripture. We used to have religious education. Greg, don't pretend that you don't know this. You know, we used to have religious education at school, and we used to learn the Bible. And this was the first scripture that I learned. I learned it in Setswana. And I still remember the words even today, at least up to verse 2 or 3. It says, And we used to recite it very well. And we used to recite it very well. And it gave me that view of understanding that the world and everything in it is God's. It belongs to the Lord, it does not belong to me. And again, there are other scriptures that I've put that I'm not going to go through. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 also it tells us, it's a new, um, new Testament scripture. It says, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. So not only um, is God, God of the invisible because sometimes we like to to you know sort of segment god and say he's the god of the spiritual the invisible but on the physical he's not god we want to have authority over that but these two scriptures tell us that everything you know it's the earth that we see belongs to god and even our own lives belong to him so we as christians we can actually say that we are we belong to god through creation and through redemption so god is the owner of everything and um the word owner or the word lord rather it's it, it implies somebody who owns something so every time when we say lord we're basically saying owner you know my owner we're basically saying my master we hear the word landlord somebody who owns property we we call them landlords. So we don't call them landowners, but they are landowners. They own that property. And even with God, he owns us. So if somebody owns us, it means that he can do whatever he likes with us. Am I right or am I wrong? If somebody owns it, if you own this phone, you'll be surprised if I try to dial it and it says that, don't dial. I don't want you to dial. I'm thinking, what type of phone is this? You know, I'll get another one. What is this phone saying? I'm supposed to tell you what to do. You're not supposed to tell me. But sometimes we don't do that. We want to dictate to God what he can do, what he cannot do. But there we see that God owns our physical aspect of life as well as our spiritual aspect of life. Let's move on to the next point. The next point, it talks about stewarding God's money. And I know that today we don't talk a lot about stewards. We talk about more managers, people who manage. So a steward is somebody who manages somebody's property on their behalf. And so in relation to what I'm saying, that God being the owner, what are we in relation to everything else? God has entrusted us with the management responsibility on the earth. And he has done that even from beginning when he says in Genesis 1, 20, 80, when he told Adam and Eve and say that, you know, rule over the earth, subdue it. That is where he gave us that authority to manage for on his behalf. But in the New Testament, again, Jesus Christ has given that authority back to us. He says uh, in Matthew 18, um, 
Is it Matthew? No, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, where he says that all authority has been given to me on her, in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. So we see that God has given us authority to manage on his behalf. And what is going to happen is that God is going to come and ask for a report on our management of his things. When he comes, will he find us faithful? Would we have managed it faithful? Will we be like the guy on the right or on the left when he comes? And I'm just wanting us. Sometimes we have this wrong perception as human beings. We think that this is my money. I can use it anyhow. These are my possessions. I can use them anyhow. But what God has given us is his. We should be really asking him, manager, our owner, I am a manager. How do you want us to use your stuff? How do you want me to use the money that you've entrusted to me? How do you want me to use the gifts and the talents that you've given me? That should be our attitude. But is that what we do? When we get our money, do we think, oh, this is my money. We forget, oh, oh you're, it's, it, you are the manager. <laughs> Let's just get this in right. You're not the owner. We need to remember that so that we can use it properly. When we are given the opportunities to work, when we are given the opportunities to have the gifts and the abilities that we have in order to make wealth, it's not for us, it's for us to be able to manage that for God and for His purposes. So we need to always have that attitude of managing, not of owning, as though um, you know, God has nothing to, to, to say about it because it's our money or it's our possessions. Let's go to the next um, slide. So this is the third point that I really want to camp on. When we talk about um, how, what are the things that God wants us to do with the money, one of the things, or with the possession that he's given us, rather, one of the things that um, you know, I've read or I've seen most of Christian leaders or Christian pastors who really talk a lot about money and possessions. They talk about that there are three ways in which we can see God wants us to do with the money that he's entrusted to us. The first way is that God wants us to give, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about giving. And also he talks about saving and investments. God wants us to save and invest, and also God wants us to spend money on our own needs and necessities. And so I'm not going to talk about the two, about um, spending. I'm not going to talk about sa saving and investment, but the Bible does talk about that. And so I'm going to talk about giving. So um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, I'm going to talk about three aspects of giving back to God because obviously everything that we have, everything that we own, it belongs to God. It does not belong to us. So God encourages us to give in three areas. There are more areas. And I, um, Michael talked a little bit about it, and I believe we're still going to talk about it even next week. So today I'm just going to talk about the tithes and the offerings as well as giving to the poor. So now, talking about giving to the tithe, people, the question usually comes, what is a tithe? Okay, this is where I go to find, what is a tithe? A tithe, basically, it's 110. You know, a tithe, okay, all the mathematicians, statisticians, or whoever, one over 10, right? If you are doing division, then you're going to put equal sign, and you're going to put 0.1. That's the answer. Then you have to multiply with what you have, your salary, and that will give you a tenth. I think we're all in the same page. I can repeat it again. It's 1 over 10. Equal sign, 0.1. Then it means you multiply that. That is what it is. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, 
It's a tenth of a salary. And people will ask, where does this come from? You know, where does this come from? It comes from the Bible. It is not something that we made or Greg made or Pastor Sai or whoever made. It comes from the Word of God. So I want us to go um, in the Word of God. You may not go to the, to the, to the Bible with me, but I will go anyway. <laughs> All right. That's why I wanted this Bible. Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 and 20. And we see that it comes from the Bible. I like this Bible, it's highlighted and it makes it easy for me. All right, um, Abraham, Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 and 20 says that after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, please forgive my pronunciation, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveth the valleys, whatever. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the king Moshe, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abraham gave him a tenth, a tenth. I was emphasizing of everything. And this is where it really comes from. It comes from the word of God. And there are other scriptures that we see as well that talk about a tenth. The other scriptures is Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 and 33. It talks about giving a tenth. And having established that we have to give a tenth of what we have, then the, the next question becomes then, um, where do we, we give this tenth? I think that's another question that people ask, where do I give this tenth? Then we go again to another scripture in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Remember, we don't have any right to understand the Bible the way that we want because of our experiences. We have to understand it in the context that which God intended it to be. So I'm reading this scripture so that we can deal with misconceptions about tithes. And it says in chapter... 3 of Malachi, verse 10, it says that bring the full tithe, again tithe, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. So here we see again that concept of tithe, that it comes from the word of God. It does not come from us. And where do we need to give it? It says here we needed to bring it to the house of God. And you may ask, where is my house of God myself? You know, where is the house of God? The house of God is where you fellowship, where you call it your home, your home church, basically. Where should I give this tenth? You give it to your home church. And what does the home church use it for. It also uses it to pay the pastors, those who are full-time in ministry, it uses it to do that so that they can also have a, a means of living. And I know that this whole thing has been um, taken out of context. A lot of people are bitter. They're always saying that, oh, the church, all that they want is money, 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 money. And people are withholding. They I don't want to give because church is all about money. But it's not true. It is not just because other people have abused the system does not mean that we cannot give. Anything that is good can be abused. A, phone, a cell phone can be used for good and can be used for evil. So is your car. It can be used for good and can be used for evil. So we need to remember that in spite of what other people have taught, we need to go back to the, what the Word has said. And just to give a small testimony about myself when I started understanding this, gift, uh, this concept of tithing, 
I remember when I was starting out in my career some years ago, I was, when I started working, I was about 23, and I had just studied, my area of study was quantity surveying. And as a quantity surveyor, you need a car to go to site, to visit site, to see what is happening on site. And I remember that when I was... <laughs> Starting out, I had already learned this concept of tithing from this very church about it's so important for us to tithe what is it that God has given us. So I had already learned about this principle. And so when I saw my salary, it didn't allow me to have a car, you know? Maybe that's not a very correct statement to say. It did allow me on but the, if I were to use that money to buy the car, it means that I wouldn't be able to give my tithes. So I had a choice. Am I going to buy a car or am I going to get a tithe? And it was inconvenient. Let me tell you not to have a car. That one, it was so inconvenient because of if I wanted to go to site to check what is happening on construction site, I had to ask my colleagues or the driver, and that was inconvenient. And also my peers at the time, people of my age who had started working, who were studying with adverts, were already driving nice cars, you know? And they were not driving like starter packs, you know, cars, you know. <laughs> They were driving Baza Baza cars, you know they are there, the Baza Baza cars, the big ones. And here I was thinking, yo, I'm being left out. And I was still staying in Soweto because I couldn't afford a car, I couldn't afford to stay on my own, so I was really living with my, my parents. And I worked in Hyde Park, from Deep Cliff in Soweto to Hyde Park, you need two taxis, right? And it means you have to get up early because you don't know whether you're going to get a taxi, it's going to be allocated. You know those who, you know how the taxi marshals are like, you'll be waiting there, they will be allocating a taxi to another queue, and yours is waiting. And I would be waiting there for queues, and there would be a voice saying that you are a stupid girl. <laughs> you should be buying a car. I mean, and God will understand that once you stabilize, your finances stabilize, you will be able to give my your tithes. And I was so tempted because of, I was feeling all the types of weathers. It was raining on me, everything. I was feeling it. But I thank God for the Holy Spirit for reminding me that obedience is better than anything else. The Holy Spirit reminded me, say, it's fine, it will rain on you. Your friends will look at you and say, Mara, what's wrong with this one? You remain faithful. And I didn't know that that was really um, developing in me or inculcating in me a value of saying, God first. You know, God first. We are not living for the cars. We are not living for this thing, but you are living for something far greater, Josephine. You are a child of God. You are living, as Greg put it, you are for the kingdom of God. That is eternal. You are living for something greater. And that has stood with me, and it has anchored my faith to know that I'm not controlled by cars, I'm not controlled by societal pressure, I am led by God because I belong to him, he's my Lord. And that is a principle that I have developed in my life, and I've seen God's faithfulness in my being faithful in giving, that God has always been with me. And if we read the scripture again, um, Malachi chapter 3, when it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, it also says there are benefits for you as a giver. One of them is that it says God will open the heavens for you. So God will always provide for me and he will pour down blessings that I may not be able to contain. And again, it says that God will rebuke the devourer, meaning that he will he will protect my finances. He will be the fourth person in my financial situation. When things are tough, God will not forsake me. He will fight for me. And I realized that I was blessed to learn this. And you may be sitting here and say that, you know what, I haven't started giving my tithes and offering. I haven't started giving my tithes. And um, you may be thinking, where do I start? I would encourage you to start 
you know, look at um, your finances and say, where can I start? I know some people have a plan to say that by this time I must make sure that I have already I'm meeting this, um, you know, a, a commandment of God. I'm able to give at least a tenth of my salary. Some people have that plan, and some people say that I will start where I can cut and I'll see how much I can give. They may start by starting by giving a lesser amount than the 10% up until they reach the full amount, you know. And um, still talking about the issue of the tithes, a lot of the, the people also ask, should I give on my, what do you call it, should I give it on my net income or should I give it on my gross? So I'm not going to answer that for you, but I will refer you to a scripture that will help you to make your own decision when it comes to that. And we find the scripture is in Luke 6, I hope I read, um, okay, let's go to Luke 6, if you've got your Bible. Luke 6.38 says that, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, it will depend on you what measure you want God to give back to you. If you are going to give using a small measure, it means a small measure will be used to give back to you. If you are going to use a big one, it means a big one will be given in giving back to you. So that is what I will say about um, a tithe and offering. I mean, the tithe only. When I come to the offering, offering was like, if I look into the Bible, the scriptures that I looked into, Genesis 8 to 9, um, Leviticus chapter 3, you can read them yourself. When, when they're talking about offering, it's like a free will. You know, people would give out of free will, sometimes would give peace offerings. It would be out of the heart of understanding what God has done for them. People say, I just want to give. And I look at it in this way. Um, sometimes, you know, um, God helps us. I, I know of a person who God has helped them to come out of a very difficult financial situation. And they used to pay the creditors a little bit of money every month. And once God brought them out of that difficult financial situation, they decided that, you know what, I'm not going to take this money that I used to give towards creditors and use it for my own needs. I always want to take this money that I used to give to creditors. I want to give it to the work of God. They're giving it to missions so that they can always remember what God has done, because of the problem of human beings is that we forget, and God does not want us to forget, because in our forgetfulness, the scripture that we read in the beginning says that our hearts can be lifted up, and we start thinking that it is our things, that it's our own strength that has done that for us. And what we do, we start, you know, we, we start um, turning away from God and turning, away to, and turning towards the wrong things in life, and that may lead us to destruction, and God loves us so much, he does not want us to do that. And the other question maybe that I, maybe I forgot to address with, with, with relation to the tithes is the issue of the first fruits. You know, there's another question people will say that when do I give? Do I give after I've deducted my uh, debit orders, my expenses? The issue of the first fruit is also mentioned in the Bible with regards to tithes. We, tithing needs to be the first thing. It has to be the first thing, because if it's not the first thing, it's going to create a problem. God has principle that he works by. You know, he wants to be number one. He says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first my kingdom and his righteousness first. So if he's not the alpha, he cannot be the omega. And God has this tendency that he does not want to share his rulership, his ownership with anything else. So 
God, not only does he want to be number one, he wants to be Lord of everything. So he does not want to share his authority with anything. So in our giving our tithe, we are reminding ourselves that God is our ruler, he's the, our master, and we also re- remember that he has to be first in everything. So I'm glad that I remember that I covered that. And the last area where God wants us to give is to the poor. Uh, the scripture that I had put out there was that um, when we give to the poor, we are giving we are lending to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And it is my prayer that we will not turn a blind eye to the needs of people because that's not the model that Jesus Christ came to give us. When Jesus Christ was on earth, he would see the people who were, not, um, who were sick, who were in distress, whatever. He always turned towards them and helped them. And we also need to do that. When we see people who don't have, we need to be like Jesus to them. We need to be able to give part of our income, part of what God has given us, to them to, um, to help them. In conclusion, when we look at the scripture that I, um, I mean, of the scriptures that I have shared, I pray that it will stay in you, you know, the, or stay in you some action. You know, if you are a person who is not giving, you will start giving. If you had forgotten what God had done for you, to remind you of his goodness. And often, you know, as Christians, we say that, okay, uh, what is the need for me to give? What has God done for us? I use the story of the, Egypt, the, the Israelites coming from Egypt, but really it's, it's the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We were also living in the kingdom of darkness. We were living in our own Egypt, which was a land of sin, kingdom of darkness. We were under a horrible master called Satan. He was, we were born by sin, and we were destined to a, an eternity without God, without hope. But God, in his great mercy, sent Jesus Christ to come and save us, just like he did by sending Moses to come and deliver the children of Israel. And he brought us into a land, into a kingdom of plenty, a kingdom of blessing. And when we give, we reminded that this is what God has done. Because as I said before, the human nature has the tendency of forgetting. And when we forget, we put ourselves up in danger of living a life that is not what God had intended for us, a life that will lead us to destruction instead of leading us to life. So we have to have reminders, just like the Israelites had reminders, they had to put these things on the doorstops. We have certain reminders as Christians today in the age that we live in. When we take Holy Communion, it's also a reminder of making us not to forget who we are and who whose we belong to. I hope I'm saying the right English because sometimes English has to run away. <laughs> but anyway, the other reminder that reminds us who we are is this tithes and offering. Just like there was this, you know, reminders that the Israelites had to put in their doorposts, had to put in their foreheads everywhere so that they can remember because of the danger of forgetting is that we can turn away from God and therefore make ourselves to live a life that God had not intended for us, a life that is far less than than what he wants for us. So when we give tithes and offering, and when we give to the poor, when we give in offerings, we are reminding ourselves who we belong to. It's our visual reminder of who we belong to. We also remember that we don't live for these things. We live for something greater. I love what um, Greg said earlier on about eternity. We live for something greater. These things we will live behind. What we will take as souls you know, our souls, and those is what is more important. And we are not a church that just talks and not practice what we say. This church, Every Nation Rosebanks, gives about 23.5% of its income to the 
you know, to regional, to citywide, to social responsibility. And I encourage you to partner to do this because of, as I said, in giving, we are really giving back God what belongs to His. Amen. I think this is the end of my message. Shall we stand up? Okay, I've spoken a lot. I don't know where you are in terms of what I've said. I don't know what has informed your beliefs about money, your perspective about money or possessions. I've spoken about my own story, about what formed it. So um, to, right now, I just want us to just take a moment to think about what is our attitude towards money? What is our attitude towards giving, towards tithes and offering? Is it in line with God's? Is it in line with God's word? Is it in line with what he says? And if it is not in line with his word, can we commit that we will make sure that we align ourselves with what he, he says? If it means that we start looking at how we can give more to the poor, how we can give more, how we can make sure that we tithe regularly, let it be like that. If we had misconceptions about um, money and ownership and lordship, I pray that we will um, align ourselves with that. So I don't know who you are, okay? Um, but if you... Um, felt that somehow certain aspects of this message spoke to you. I just want you to just lift up your hands. It's just for, you know, to say that I need to repent of certain things. I see your hands and I see your hands. All right. I'm going to be praying for us, you know, because I was also speaking to myself. I saw areas in which I need to repent. I need to do well in. So I'm just going to pray that we can align ourselves with the Word of God. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for making us partners in what you're doing on earth, Lord, for making us your managers on earth. Father God, we just pray that you will help us to always align ourselves with what your word says, not with what we think, Lord. As much as maybe some of us may have grown under difficult situation where we suffered, I pray that our suffering will not speak louder than what your word tells us to do. That Father God, in spite of our suffering, will not look at money as something that is a reward word for us for being uh, for having suffered but we look at it in from your perspective as a, as money that you've entrusted uh, to us so that we can pursue your kingdom we can do um, we can extend your kingdom on earth with lord i pray in the name of jesus that you will help us lord where we have been struggling to give regularly our tithes and offering that you will help us to be faithful oh god and i pray that father god that um, you will help us father god to always find out from your word what you want us to say with regards to giving oh lord and i pray that lord you will heal us from our wounds where we felt that we have suffered where we have lived in poverty and we are bitter or we are fearful i pray that you will release us from those fears and from those bitterness that we will be healed and whole and we will have a proper perspective with regards to money and possessions in the name of jesus amen amen um lastly I just want to maybe, still with our, our standing up, I want to just ask if there are people here who maybe you've heard this message, but you know that you are Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. You have not surrendered your life to God, to Jesus. You know that He's not your Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the best master that you could ever have. And um, most of us have had to do, to take, to make this decision. So if you are here, I just ask everybody to maybe close their eyes. And if you are here and you know that Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you have not surrendered your life to Him, 
I ask you to lift up your hand. If you know and you want to accept him today, I ask that you lift up your hand so that you can accept him as your Lord and Savior. All right. Um, if you are here as well and you know that maybe you have not been living right, maybe you were once a Christian and you know that you have not been living right and you want to recommit your life to him, I also give you an opportunity to lift up your hand and we can pray with you. If you are here, all right, I see your hand. See your hand, see your hand. Um, if there are people who want to rededicate their life to the Lord, I would just invite you to even come forward. We will pray for you. If you are here, you can come forward and we will pray for you. Just please encourage them. Amen. 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 All right, my brother, well done for this decision of rededicating your life to the Lord. So we're going to pray with you a prayer, and uh, the church is going to join you in praying this. Amen. All right, let's help him, church. Heavenly Father, I come before you acknowledging that I have lived a life that is not in line with what you want me to live. Right now, I recommit my life to you. I enthrone you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to lead and to direct me. In Jesus' name, amen.